Hallelujah. Amen. God will walk it out. Hallelujah. I'd like us to close our eyes for a minute. And I'd like you to just talk to God. Take a minute, let your soul be still indeed. You know, it, there's so much noise sometimes. And I want you to speak to God yourself. And Bible tells us, just like the psalm that we just read, says, be still and know that I am God. I'd like you to ask that God reveal yourself to me. In this situation, reveal yourself to me. In all that is going on around me, Lord, reveal yourself to me in the name of Jesus. And dear God, we ask, oh God, as you've been speaking to us throughout the course of this service, we thank you, Lord, because your word is not scarce in our midst. We thank you for your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your manifest presence. We thank you, oh God, because strength is available in your presence this morning in the name of Jesus. We speak peace to every chaos in our hearts, in our minds, in our homes, in our places of work, in our families. We speak your peace in the name of Jesus. And we rest in your promise, O oh God. We rest in your promise, O oh God, knowing that you will show yourself as God and you reveal yourself, O oh God, in our situations and in our circumstances. You will show up for us. You will show up for us. And you will show yourself as God in the name of Jesus. We give you thanks, mighty Father. As we go into your word, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you expound your word to us, O oh God, this morning in the name of Jesus. Speak to every heart, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Let us indeed behold wondrous things from your word in the name of Jesus. And help us to go away, not just to be hearers of your word, but to be doers of it also, Lord. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Good morning, church. Um, it's great to be here, I think. I, always, I think I say every year that I'm always not so looking forward to this. But I appreciate God for the privilege to share with us this morning. Amen. Um, I'm going to be sharing with us on a topic I've tagged, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And I'm sure that some of us are familiar with this. When you have, especially when you have little children in the car, you're taking them somewhere and they're like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Or sometimes you might have adults in the car and they're like, is it, is it, this? Is it, is it this place? Are we there? Okay. And with the things going on around us, we can begin to wonder, are we there yet? Where is our there? Okay, the pandemic is rounding up. They're lifting up restrictions. Okay, things maybe, things are looking up, and then, and then now there's a war. And then we're praying, where, where is the peace? Where is the there? And I wrote in my notes that if uh, we're talking about there, that means we are here. That means we're not there yet. That means we're wondering where we are. That means that there is an expectation in our hearts. That means there's a destination that we're looking towards. And we're wondering where we'd actually get there. We've been told there's a year of breakthrough. And for you and for me, that when I hear breakthrough, what I'm thinking about is probably different from what you're thinking about. Are we there yet? Where, where is the there? What does it look like? And many times we have an image in our minds about what there looks like. But is that what God's image of there really looks like? Is that something that we want to compare with? 
are we there yet? And some of us is February and we're talking here of breakthrough and people are testifying and you're already wondering what's going on, you know? Um, I was thinking about this and I was thinking when people usually ask that question, would say children now, okay? They would probably be asking because they are impatient and they're wondering how long is this journey gonna be? I remember I went somewhere and it was a four hour journey and you can imagine how many are we there that we heard, you know? They're very impatient, they want to get to the there. Sometimes it's because of frustration, you know? Are we lost? When are we gonna get there? And sometimes we wonder about that ourselves, you know? We have aspirations, we have wondrous things that we anticipate. Sometimes it's out of excitement because we are so excited about the wonderful breakthroughs that God wants to do in our lives. And we are, you know, so expectant. And we're looking around, trying to see, is, it, is, it, is, is this it? Is this the there? Hallelujah. But I want to share with us very briefly um, three things. Obviously not exhaustively, but three things I could think about that we should be doing while we're waiting for the there. Three things that I think that is very important, especially at a time like this as well. But before we go into the three things, the other thing I want to talk about is, you know, in this year of breakthrough, when we are thinking about our there, some of us, when we heard the year of breakthrough, one of the things we thought about was, in my career, that promotion is coming now, amen. Um, in this area, I'm going to get more money this year, amen. You know, all those kind of things. But there's so much more. I believe that we are made for much more. We are called to much more. There's a war going on, right? And I was, I was sharing with my children, I was saying that, you know, in the times of Daniel, when there was trouble, Daniel was the go-to person to know what should we do. So in this time of war, what should the nations be doing? Do you know? Do I know? But we claim to hear from God. We claim to know this God. But we should be a people that know. Hallelujah. But that's my first challenge for us this morning. Hallelujah. We should be a people that know. In our circles of influence, where you are at right now, you should know, shouldn't you? Amen. It's just something I've always thought about. Anyway, um, so I said three things, three things um, we should be doing, I think, in this time. The first one is to keep your focus. When people are asking, are we there yet? It could be the people, imagine you're in a car, right? It could be you wondering, is this the place? So your sat nav is saying, turn left, turn right. You have arrived at your destination and you're looking like, is this it? Whereabouts is it? Is it the brown house or the red one? Where's the house number? Or is it other people that are asking? When that comes up, it's important for us to keep our focus. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 12, familiar scripture. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read verse 1 and 2. Could you help us project the amplified translation, please? Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Thank you. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight, every unnecessary weight, and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance 
and active persistence the race that is set before us. Hallelujah. Sorry, can we go back to that for a minute? I'll come to verse two in a minute. Amen. You know, sometimes we, I don't know if you do this sometimes. I do this sometimes. I, I plan to read a chapter of the Bible in a day and I want to read the chapter. And then I'm stuck on verse one because I've seen something that catches my attention. So anyway, verse one says, we should remove every unnecessary weight. Why? Because we're surrounded, so we're surrounded as we are here. We're here, we can physically see each other, but there's much more, there's much more. We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Why should we keep going? Why should we stick to it? Said we should, how can we also do it? We should lay aside every weight. This is a familiar scripture, but I like the Amplified Translation because there are some things it emphasizes there. For example, that first one, it says they are unnecessary weights. They might not be bad, but they're unnecessary. Um, it says we strip off the unnecessary weight. And it says the sin that easily and cleverly entangles us. Bible talks about little foxes that destroy the vine. You know, when I think, when I, I, I saw that, and that's why I wanted the amplification, when it says the sin that cleverly holds us back. So I'm talking about keeping your focus. And these are things that could shift our focus easily. These are things that could sort of be like a distraction. These are things that could blur our vision, as it were. It talks about things that easily and cleverly entangles us. Bible talks about the schemes and strategies of the devil. I was talking to somebody recently, and I was saying that with sin, there are some things that we're talking about weaknesses and vulnerabilities and all that. There are some things that you're vulnerable to, and I'm not. There are some things that will tempt you and will not tempt you. So, for example, somebody pulls a pile of money over there. For some people, that's temptation that the money is there and they're thinking, oh, maybe we can go to Nando's or maybe we can buy this. Or some other people are thinking, whose money is this? Oh, we should be keeping this money. Some people are thinking, oh, there's this great investment opportunity. You know, people will think about it in different ways. Whereas some other people, it's food. If you put the food there and their mind is racing in different directions. And so, what is a problem for me, it's not a problem for somebody else. Some people would, would think about a lie like that and they have to stop themselves and check themselves every time. Whereas some other people would not even consider it, it would just be like, it's not a part of me. No, things like that, little things like that, compromising our faith, for example. What would make you compromise your faith easily? Might be different what would make me compromise my faith easily. So sin that cleverly entangles you. Um, it says let us run with patience, an active persistence, not passive persistence. It says to run your race with active persistence. That race, your race, not my race, your race that is set before you. And I'm saying keep your focus, not our focus, your focus. Because there is something, I talked about expectation, I've talked about destination. There is that destination for you. You're there, might not be my there. So when I'm saying, are we there yet? It's my there I'm worrying about, not yours. And for you, we might have arrived. But for me, that might not be what God is calling me to. I said, we're made for much more. Hallelujah. Tell yourself I'm made for much more. There's much more than this. Hallelujah. Can we look at verse two, please? Thank you. It says, looking away from all that would distract us 
and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith. The first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him, endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. Hallelujah. I was thinking for the three points I want to talk about, I want to talk about three different examples. And I couldn't think of an example that was better than the one described in Hebrews 12 in terms of keeping your focus. How Jesus was so focused on what he needed to do. He didn't allow distractions to just shift his focus as it were. And it's so easy. It's so easy to shift our focus. And sometimes we shift our focus to good things, but they're not good things. So what you're doing now, what your focus is, make sure that it's a good thing. Hallelujah. Amen. So I've said that we keep our focus, we maintain and be sure that that thing that we're focusing on, that image in your mind, what you're looking forward to, what you're striving for, is what God has put in your mind and what God is saying to you. And in order to do that, to know, if I were to evaluate, for example, now, I'm thinking, so am I keeping the focus? It needs perception and it needs me to be able to look at it from God's point of view. So because from my point of view, I might be on it, it might be okay. But from God's point of view, it might not be so good, okay? So that perception is very, very important. Perception is important. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later on, amen. The second one is to evaluate what you're doing. Evaluate what you're doing. So I've said to keep your focus, evaluate what you're doing. So in the past month, we've been looking at the growth series in Bible study. If you've missed some, you've missed out on a few interesting things. Um, and many a times, some of us could preach that. You could talk to your children about how important studying God's word is and how important praying is for growth and how important fasting is for growth and how important service is for growth. But what are you doing? And in putting this into context of what I'm talking about, imagine if you're in a car and people are saying, are we there yet? And you're thinking, oh, I don't know if we're there. And you decide to pack up the car Put your head on the steering wheel and just be like, oh, I don't know what we're doing. You won't get there, would you? The only way to get there is either carry on driving, park and ask for direction or something, right? I used to do something really interesting when I first started driving. Um, it was the days of TomTom. Um, -tom. So there was no like sat nav in the car or anything. So I'd have TomTom -tom on and it wasn't, the children were not allowed to talk because I could not think and listen at the same time and drive. So um, they, they knew not to talk and then would follow Tom Tom and I'll still get lost and then when I get lost I'll park the car and I'll ring my husband and then he will say okay where are you I don't know he'll say okay look outside look at a street name or something you need to know where you are for me to be able to help you find where you're going you know so if I just sat there and we're all like Oh, we're lost. Where are we going? I don't know how we're going to get there. I don't know. You know, we won't move forward. I won't get there. You know, so to get there, we need to evaluate what we're actually doing. So, for example, if for you in this year of breakthrough, what you're trusting God for is a move in your career, you want to shift. Okay, fine. We are praying. We know that breakthrough is coming. God has promised it's going to happen. Right. But what are you doing? Are you just there? saying breakthrough is coming and you're not doing anything about it. What is God asking you to do? If, 
for example, you know, like I said earlier, that it's so easy for us to think about breakthrough in terms of, ah, oh, my job, my money, and no, 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 no. What about ministry? What about your work for God? What is God saying you should do about that? Oh, I'm trusting God to grow fantastic this year. But what are you doing? So I said that we can, we know so many things. We know it. We can talk about it to people. But how much of it are we actually doing? So I know that praying is good. I know that it's good to pray for my children. But how much of the praying do I actually do? I know that it's good to pray about situations. So we're in church, we're praying about Ukraine. How much of the praying did you do on your own at home? Or did we just talk about it? And we have long chats about it. How much of it are you actually doing? So evaluate what you're doing. What are you doing? So we want to get there. We are here. But to get there, we must do something. So we said we must maintain our focus, but we must also do something. We must check what we're doing, okay, to be sure that we're doing the right things. One of the other things I wrote down was about opportunities. Um, and I think I've said this here before that, you know, I read a book sometime and the man, there was a quote and the man was talking about how opportunities come dressed in overalls, looking like work, okay? So when the opportunities come that will move you from here to there, it might actually look like work. And for me, it's always looking like a lot of work. Um, but even when those opportunities come, are we seizing them with both hands? Do we recognize them even? And then when those opportunities come, are you ready for them? Because I was using this analogy. Somebody was um, talking to my daughter about something, and I used this analogy to explain it further to her. And I said that you don't want to go to a doctor's office and you're talking to that doctor about what's wrong with you. And the doctor is like, hmm, I'm not sure what's wrong. Just give me a minute. And then you see them going on Google. Um, you maybe want to get up because you're thinking, hey, this doctor is asking Google. So, you know, so um, you, when, you, when the opportunities come most times, you have to be ready. I, I read a book once and the man was saying how you must be bigger than where you are right now. So that, for example, you're a lecturer, okay? You want to be a senior lecturer. Where you are as a lecturer right now, you must be like a senior lecturer that everybody around you is like, ah, why are you not senior lecturer yet? Then when the opportunity presents itself, then you're ready. Hallelujah. So my challenge to each and every one of us is, yes, it's our year of breakthrough, but we must be doing something to be ready for that there. We have that image firmly in our minds and we're taking active steps. I'm talking to myself. I'm, I think I'm talking more to myself than to anybody, right? Taking active steps to actually be ready for there. So that when those opportunities come, I am so ready. For example, I started and I talked about Daniel. And I said that Daniel was a man that people could go to when there was trouble in the land, right? Okay. So if you are that go-to person, if there was an opportunity and the boss in your place of work were to come to you, what should we do about this? Would you even know? Would you be ready to speak up about it? Do you understand what I mean? Like, that opportunity just presents itself. What would you do? Something interesting happened to me once. I, I liked listening to the radio on my way to work. Um, and I was driving into work a few years ago now, two, three years ago. Um, and on the radio, the lady was saying how Jesus, most of the things that Jesus did, he did it in the marketplace. He didn't do it in church and how it's important for us to be ready for the marketplace and all of that. And uh, as we go about our day, we should be ready to preach Jesus. Just speak that we speak, right? 
Okay. And then she said to pray that God would give us opportunity that day to speak Jesus. And as you do, you're in the car, you pray, right? Yes, I prayed. Um, and then I got to work and I needed to get something from the admin office. So I went downstairs to get something and they were having a conversation and then they decided to bring me into the conversation. So Bumi, what do you think? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they were saying how somebody was on the bus to work. She was looking at everybody just going and she was wondering, is this, is this it? Is this what life is all about? We're all just going to work and coming back and everything. What do you think? And I smiled. And they were quiet, waiting for me to respond. Oh, I was like, oh, you actually want me to speak my mind? They were like, yeah. Are you ready for me to speak my mind? I was like, yeah, okay. So I started having a conversation. And I thought, okay, I'll just give them news in brief. Actually, I think that life is more than this, da, 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 da. And I talked for five minutes. And the girl was like, that sounds interesting. But don't you think? And it, was, it became a full-blown conversation for half an hour. And we're talking about this. Now, somebody might think, oh, Bumi said something fantastic. I left there thinking, ah, I was so not ready for that. To them, it was good, but for me, I could have done much more. I could have maximized the opportunity. That was my, that was my chance. But that's what I'm saying. So opportunities come, we're not ready for it. So I, I prayed that morning, did I not expect God to answer? But then not like that, not like half an hour of talking to people in the big office about Jesus. That was just my chance. And I was like, that must never happen again. <laughs> but, but do you understand what I mean? Though? That's what I mean about opportunities that we have. So when you get that chance, what are you going to say? And I thank God for impact group. So you, you actually practice talking to the mirror about talking to somebody about Jesus. Somebody in the lift, you have 30 seconds. What would you say? Somebody you're working with, you're walking to the train station or whatever, you meet somebody at a conference and you get talking for five minutes. What would you say? Or would you just talk about the weather? What if the opportunity presents itself? What if it was an opportunity to discuss how to move the organization forward? Would you come up with a brilliant idea, a God-given idea that they'll say yes? You know how they said to Daniel that indeed God is in this person. If he had messed up the first time and he had said rubbish the first time, they wouldn't have gone back to him the second time, would they? But we are God carriers, hallelujah that we are made for much more, much more than this, hallelujah. Okay, so that's the second one. Um, I'm going to read the book of Matthew chapter two, Matthew chapter two, and I'm going to show us an example of some people that knew so much, but they did very, very little. And I'm read, read very quickly, <clears throat> excuse me, verse one to six, Matthew chapter two, verse one to six, a very familiar scripture. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Verse 3, Jesus, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not among the least, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, who is the shepherd for my people Israel. And that sounds very much like church folks, right? The Bible says. But do you know what those wise men did? Did they go and look for Jesus? They didn't. But they just quoted the scriptures. 
They knew that the, priest, uh, the Savior was going to be born in Bethlehem. They knew the Savior was going to be born about that time. Some people left where they were, not that they had nothing to do where they were, to come and look for the Savior that was born. But they were in the same vicinity and they didn't do anything. And I, for the first time last year, I saw this in a new way and I thought, is this me? That I'm, I know it, I know the word, I know it's my year of breakthrough, but am I doing nothing? And we're just in church, we are all saying the year of breakthrough, the year of breakthrough. What are you doing about it? Don't be like those wise men, do something, hallelujah. And breakthrough is coming indeed in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last one, because of our time, the last one I've written, be patient. Be patient. And thank God for the service this morning. It's been awesome. Um, Bible tells us that hope before makes the heart sick. But we have a God that we can trust in because that same verse tells us that when it comes, hallelujah, it's like a tree of life. Proverbs 13 and verse 12. When it comes, it's like a tree. And we know that it is coming. Amen. Because we have a God that we can trust. We have a God that we can rely on. We have a God that still stops. We have a God that stops wars. Hallelujah. We have a God that makes ways where there is no way. Amen. But sometimes when we are looking for there and the there is not coming, sometimes we've been waiting for that there for days, sometimes it's weeks, sometimes it's months, sometimes it's years. And you get to the point where you're getting discouraged and disheartened. But come to encourage somebody this morning. It is coming. Amen. Amen. Bible says when it comes. Not if it comes. It says when it comes. It's like a tree of life. Hallelujah. Amen. Be encouraged. Hallelujah. But then there are other times when we are so excited about there. And we lose sensitivity. Or we misjudge situations around us. We misjudge situations. It's a bit like saying... We're so excited. We're going on holiday and I'm so excited and I'm driving past. I see a beach. I know that it's supposed to be seaside and I see some people and I'm like, ah, maybe that's where my holiday spot is. And I decide to park, right? I'm not listening to my sat nav anymore. That's not there. They're going to kick you out probably. Okay. So don't lose the sensitivity. So I've said two things. Be patient. So if you're losing heart, you're getting discouraged. Sometimes we go through that. And I think as humans, we feel like that sometimes. Encourage yourself. Speak to yourself. Sometimes you literally look in the mirror. I have a meeting with myself. And I say, come on, girl. Come on, girl. We can do this. God is on our side. Those that are with us are more than those that are with them. We got this. Amen. But then I said there are other times when we might lose sensitivity and we might make wrong decisions. And I want us to look quickly at this story um, in First Samuel, First Samuel 24. It's an interesting story. I heard somebody talk about it. And it made me really think about it. And I think my children are tired of me talking about this particular verse now. Because I've, it made me, I really thought about it a lot. And I'm going to read um, verse one to four first, and then we'll read the latter part later. I'd encourage us to go and read all of that. So it's really interesting about David. Okay, so first Samuel chapter 24. So after Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of Engedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goods. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding further back in that very cave. 
Now is the opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today, the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do to you as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. Okay, so we know David was anointed king. It wasn't yesterday, it wasn't the day before this day that he was anointed king. It was long, long time before, years before, right? So he's been waiting to be king. So he's here, he needs to be there, right? And then Saul became troublesome. I started looking to kill David, Oliver. He didn't look for him with one man. He looked for him with 3,000 elite troops. Okay, so those would that knew their stuff. So David was hiding in the cave with his men, right? And then Saul came in that very cave to have a little wee-wee by himself, because obviously people would not like go with him, like that would be awkward, okay? But David was in that very cave. But I like verse four. Verse four said what David's men said to him. He says, now is the opportunity. This is the day that the Lord has said to you. To me, this sounds like brethren in church. This is the day that the Lord has made. God is saying to you, this is your opportunity. Is God really saying, this is the opportunity? But we see that here, David crept forward. And I think that in his mind, he probably wanted to kill Saul. And you would have thought that he's anointed. This one is not that he thinks he'll be king. He was anointed king, not in hiding, in the presence of his brethren. He killed Goliath, like, ah, ah. Is this time? Your time has come. Your enemy, God just puts your enemy in your hand like this. Easy. God making a way where they, you know, like you can quote lots of scriptures to back it up. But David did not kill Saul. Even though he was under pressure to kill Saul, even though his prayer partners were telling him, the Lord today, the Lord is telling you. Why? Because David did not lose the sensitivity. So there was, there's excitement, there's that expectation. He could see it there. Because if Saul dies, ah, he's king now, like he's the next king. But I think that there's a big lesson here. And it's very important for us as Christians to be careful and not to do what like Abraham did, you know? When everything seems like it's laid out, it's so, wow, it's my opportunity. All I have to say is that this current person that is in front of me, so I'm assistant something, something. This person in front of me did something bad. All I have to agree with other people to say that what the person did is not good. And then they move the person out and now become, it's God that made the way now. Not like that. Not like that. Hallelujah. God is a God of standards. God is a God of integrity. And I think that it's important, even though earlier I've just been saying opportunities, be ready for opportunities and all of that, it's important to listen, stop and listen and be sure that this door that is open, God is saying walk through it because there may be a better door elsewhere and God might not want to go about it that way. Hallelujah. If it doesn't seem right, it probably is not right. The Bible says the peace will be the umpire. Hallelujah. Amen. Stop and listen. Amen. Verse 5. We see why David did it. Verse 5. He said, 
So David cut off in verse 4, he cut off the robe, yeah? He didn't kill him. He just cut a little piece of this cloth. But even in verse 5, it says that David's conscience began bothering him because he cut Saul's robe. That's amazing. It's just a piece of cloth. But even so, hallelujah. And it says, it says, the Lord knows I shouldn't have done that to my Lord, the king. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king, and attack the Lord's anointed one. For the Lord himself has chosen him. So in verse 7, um, it says, so David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. So I'm trying to imagine this like a movie, right? So, okay, so you don't want to kill him. We will help your ministry. We will kill him for you so that you can become king. But he restrained them. Some of us will be like, well, after all, it's not me that is killing them. But we won't stop them from killing him. We won't stop them from like, um, what's the word? You know, like when they talk, uh, slandering the person, yeah. Or they're conniving and there's a conspiracy to take somebody out. But I'm not there. I didn't. But you didn't stop it. You didn't do anything about it. You are still part of it. Amen. God help us. And I think that, that that takes wisdom to make the right decisions. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray. Um, and I pray that God will help us. There's so many things that, you know, it's good to aspire to do things. It's great. I, said, I started by saying we're made for much more. But it's also important that we do things the right way. And we watch our step as we do. Amen. I'm going to pray by Jordan, and I'm going to ask us to rise as we pray. Hallelujah. I, I, I'd like us to just talk to God. We've said about keeping your focus, not getting distracted, making sure that we have insight and perception, and we are seeking God's perspective on things going on around us. And we've talked about um, evaluating what we're doing and making sure we're actually doing something and not just talking a lot about it or listening a lot about it. I wanted to talk to God concerning, I don't know, I, I, one thing I've prayed is for God to speak to each and every one of us in different ways and where we need it. And, and I've, I've been talking more to myself, like I said, and I pray that God will help us this afternoon. I want you to ask for God to help you, have, you know that area of weakness. You know where you need help today. We're made for much more. God wants much more from us than this. There's a reason why we are here for a time such as this. Are you losing hope because you've been waiting for so long and you need strength, God, to strengthen your heart today? I want you to talk to God today in the name of Jesus. Somebody wants to pray and ask God to give you eyes that see, that you want to see in a new way. You want to be able to see things the way God sees them. Somebody wants to pray and ask God for strength to do, not just to be a hearer of God's word, not to just be someone that is sharing God's word, but, but someone that is doing God's word in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Somebody wants to pray for strength in a time of weakness. Somebody wants to pray for patience, to wait for God's timing and not to try and help God in those kind of situations. Somebody wants to pray for opportunities to come their way, for them to recognize those opportunities. Somebody wants to pray for God to help them not to be lazy, not to be complacent, and to maximize the opportunities that God is making available for them in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Somebody wants to pray that God will help them to be 
sensitive to make the right decisions and not to just be carried away by what people are saying in the name of Jesus. That the voice we hear will be the voice of God. Bible says to us that we hear a voice behind us saying, this is the way walk in it in the name of Jesus Father help us oh Lord in the name of Jesus we receive fresh breath we see fresh power today with God fresh enablement to do in the name of Jesus to be able to go to our there to be able to get to that place that you have set before us that destination oh God in the name of Jesus to be able to take steps in the name of Jesus the right steps in the name of Jesus help us oh God in the name of Jesus help us not to get carried away oh God with the things going on around us but to focus on you oh God with our eyes fixed on you oh God in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Help us, Jesus. Order my steps in your word, dear Lord. Teach me, guide me every day. Send your anointing, Father, I pray. Order my steps in your word. Please order my steps in your word. Order my steps in your word, dear Lord. Teach me, guide me every day. Send your anointing, Father, I pray. Order my steps. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for that which you have spoken to our hearts. As we have sung, we ask, O oh God, that you let each of our steps, O oh God, be ordered by you. As we take steps to where you're leading us to, O oh God, let our steps be ordered by you, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Help us to maintain focus, eyes fixed on you, O oh God. Help us to lay aside those unnecessary weights, oh God, that you have opened our hearts to tonight, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Help us, oh God, not to be distracted in the name of Jesus. Help us to be a people that are doing your word, that are doing your bidding, that are not so carried away by the promises and disobeying you today. Help us, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Help us, oh God, that will be patient and wait on you in the name of Jesus. Because we know that those who wait on you, Lord, you renew their strength. We thank you, Father, because we know that you're going to come through for us. And thank you for your anointing like never before. Because we know that we are made for much more than this. We give you thanks, mighty Father, because you're a faithful God. For in Jesus' name we have prayed.